This is the Baymall Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today we study the apocalyptic message of Zechariah, a contemporary to Haggai, who sought to encourage God's people with image-driven messages of forthcoming hope. Yes. Forthcoming hope. It's on the way. It's on the way. Here it comes. Or maybe it's even already here. Who knows? Uh, but we're going to dive in. I got a bunch of notes this time. going to do some reading. Sorry for all our listeners if you hate it when I do that, but especially when I talk about apocalyptic literature, I love to choose my language really particularly careful because we do so many things with apocalyptic literature that aren't helpful. So that's what I got. But uh, I, yeah. can, I can pretty much guarantee we'll have a couple of tangents along the way, though. So yeah. Okay, good. Good. Consider we'll it uh, bonus material. I like that. We'll, uh, we'll hold Brent Billings to that. Uh, all right. One of Haggai's contemporaries, maybe even a well-known acquaintance, uh, was the prophet Zechariah. When one does the dating of the return of Ezra and Nehemiah and considers that they are referred to as young men in their prophecies, it stands to reason that Haggai and Zechariah were toddlers uh, when the first few waves of returnees hit the ground in Jerusalem. Um, to give these prophets some real-life context, these two boys grew up in the mess and the struggle that was the remnant as their families tried to rebuild. And it's really possible these guys might have even knew each other, been really good friends. You don't have a... I mean, maybe there are a whole bunch of waves that we're not told about, but you don't have this massive group of hundreds of thousands of people returning to Jerusalem. And prophets are usually schooled. It's not, you don't just wake up one morning and become a prophet. You actually have a, there's a training. Think of it kind of like a a Bible college, a prophet college. You have a training and it's very, very possible that Haggai and Zechariah may have been trained together, may have known each other, um, possibly even been good friends. We don't know that, but it's interesting to think about. Sometimes I never thought about Haggai and Zechariah that way. Well, since there's not very many prophets, it seems like they'd probably cross paths at some point. Like, hey, if you're doing this work, like yeah. maybe we can collaborate a little bit. Right. And that almost seems to be what's going on here. Uh, Haggai's ministry is really short and sweet, uh, but Zechariah's ministry spans a few decades. So Haggai's was just a few months we looked at, but uh, Zechariah uh, is quite a, um, almost a big portion of his lifetime. Was Haggai towards the beginning of Zechariah, towards the end? Yes. I would have to double check to be sure, but I'm almost positive Haggai came towards the beginning and Zechariah kind of starts about the same time, but just continues to uh, give these images and these metaphors, um, in his message. So the ongoing encouragement that the people needed. That's right. That's right. Cause this is going to be a long season for them. This is not going to be a short, like, oh, we need to build the temple and then everything's okay. We're going to build the temple. It's going to be a struggle. As God said in Haggai, I'm going to shake the heavens, but, you know, this is going to be, uh, I'm going to do something, but it's going to be in, on God's timetable. And that often is full of a lot of waiting and a lot of perseverance and a lot of struggle. It's hard to go back home and rebuild. Um, so Zechariah gives consistent images that are meant to inspire the people to push forward into the future that God has for them. Zechariah is another prophet who will employ very heavy and intentional use of apocalyptic literature. If you remember with our discussion with Ezekiel, we gave a definition for that. Apocalyptic literature utilizes symbols and images to convey hope to their present day. And at the risk of repeating ourselves from the Ezekiel podcast, uh, it'd be worth just repeating it again. Apocalyptic literature is not trying to map out visions of the end times or lay out blueprints for the future. 
That is simply not how apocalyptic literature functions. Whether God decides to do, uh, God may choose to roll out the future in a way that aligns with some of these prophecies that we've read of, but that's not the primary function of apocalyptic literature. Um, well, I mean, we'll see in session three, God loves to use his own book, usually in a way that we don't even see coming, but God loves to quote his own book. It's pretty funny. Um, we'll really get some mileage out of that in session three. Uh, but on the contrary, Zechariah has a prophecy about the remnant that has returned and the need for them to persevere in the face of imperial rule, trying to rebuild the glory of the good old days while you sit under the control of Persian government begins to weigh on a person's psyche. Zechariah tells them to hold on, and he does this by employing images and metaphors and visions. And as is true with apocalyptic literature, the pictures are often full of symbols that represent God and his people, the trials of the audience, the eventual triumph of God's good agenda. Also typical of apocalyptic literature, the prophecy begins with images that encourage faithfulness and endurance, and then moves uh, to close the prophecy with the assuring proclamation that a new kingdom, a new reality, and a new ruler is on his way. Like... Uh, the big message oftentimes of apocalyptic literature is that you've got to be faithful and you've got to persevere and you've got to walk obediently. And then typically those apocalyptic visions and prophecies end with an assertion of, of hope that, in fact, if you will walk obediently, everything will come together and it, it will work out for you in the end. So Zechariah is quite insistent that if God's people will persevere, their future king will come to them. But for now, they must walk obediently the path that lies before them, and that is a path that leads through Persia. Having a grasp on apocalyptic literature and the movement of the prophet allows us to read books like Zechariah and understand them. We love to cherry-pick passages from Zechariah that fit our needs for a good proof text, but we rarely find these passages used in context. For example... There's one that we're very familiar with, a famous passage about a king and a donkey. Do you got it, Brent? Zechariah 9, 9 through 10. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. I got to tell you, there haven't been too many Palm Sundays in this great world where uh, the sun has set and that verse has not been quoted at least once. And for good reason, there's an obvious play in Jesus's triumphal entry on Zechariah 9. Um, However, what we often fail to remind ourselves or understand sometimes is that Zechariah's original intent was when he prophesied those words. His original intent was insisting that if God's people would find a way to live obediently within empire, within empire, Zechariah's message is, if you can persevere right now in Persia, then eventually your king will come to you riding on a donkey. And this rescue uh, wouldn't come through armies and military might but through God's divine providence. So this isn't going to be a big uh, military revolution that they're going to undergo, but if they can walk obediently, God's providence is going to provide a different kind of revolution and their king's going to rise to power through humility, which I hope that that would sound familiar to us, the prophecy of a king rising through humility. Uh, can you think of anything we've discussed already 
uh, that leads you to think of something like that, Brent? Well, David did that. Okay, David, uh, obviously. Um, uh, the last of eight sons, shepherd boy from Judah. And that whole discussion that we had earlier in session two about the kind of king, not the Saul donkey herder, but the shepherd from Judah. Um, any other any other thoughts of for you? We've seen this before. Hmm. I'm not sure. I think of a couple places. One of them being, uh, say, the suffering servant in Third Isaiah. Oh, like, oh, if you can persevere, sure. this will be your. Uh, maybe another place might be. Um, let's see here. There's got to be something else. How about Micah in uh, the prophecy about Bethlehem? But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Um, least among the clans of Judah, out of you. This is a common theme in the prophets. Your rescue, your deliverance, your king is not going to come to you through loud trumpets and military might. Your king is going to come from very humble beginnings from places that you wouldn't even expect. I mean, a king riding on a donkey is not the glorious coming that you think of when you think of a great king coming in power. Well, it's really easy to read like half of this passage and and really like get that picture like see your king comes to you righteous and victorious <laughs> lowly and riding on a donkey blah, blah, blah. i'll take away the chance you yeah. will proclaim peace to the nation his rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends right. of the earth like it's but yep. he's taking away the chariots right he's taking away the war horses the battle bow will be broken absolutely uh, you know yes. Yes, we always like to be really selective in the things we hear in these passages. So if God's people are going to walk in obedience, if they'll walk in obedience, even in the midst of Persia, God's going to do something in the world that will destroy the weapons of war and the chariots of oppression. And one one final note before we're done discussing Zechariah that we just have to point out as we go through here is it's worth noting that almost all of the images of Zechariah are going to show up later in the book of Revelation of some kind. Now, that's going to be session four. So we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. But while we're here, let's just note, as we got Zechariah open on our desks in front of us, or I'm sure on the treadmill that you're running on, you've got your Bible open to Zechariah there in the gym. Hopefully not like on the car dashboard if you're driving. <laughs> That's right. right. Not there. Not there. Um, but uh, while we're here in Zechariah, let's notice that John is going to end up taking the apocalyptic images of the Tanakh. And predominantly, a lot of them are going to come out of Zechariah, because Zechariah is one of the most apocalyptic prophets that we have, and he's going to utilize them in the book of Revelation. Here's just a handful or two of examples. Zechariah's prophecy starts with a man walking among the myrtle trees. Revelation starts with a man walking among the, what, Brent? Lampstands. Lampstands. Zechariah speaks of horns that were sounded uh, to scatter Israel. And Revelation is going to have something to say about horns and trumpets. Trumpets, yeah. yeah. Uh, Zechariah speaks of a measuring line used to measure Jerusalem. Do we see that employed in Revelation? Sure. We sure do. Measuring red. Zechariah speaks um, uh, of about clean garments of the high priest. John tells us about a multitude in what? In white robes. Clean white robes. Uh, Zechariah tells us a lot about scrolls. Does uh, John tell us about scrolls in Revelation? We got some scrolls. We got some scrolls. Zechariah speaks of a woman in a basket. Revelation speaks of a woman uh, on a beast. <laughs> yeah, on a beast. Yep. Zechariah contains a vision of four horses drawing chariots, which I always love to close with that one because everybody's like, what? No, that's in Revelation. 
John in Revelation is pulling an image from Zechariah centuries before that utilized the same picture of horses drawing chariots. And he just employs it in a different way. But all those images that you see in Revelation, we've seen before. And yet we stand around and wring our hands and moan about how the book of Revelation is so vague and complex and hard to understand. But everything in Revelation has already been said centuries before. Maybe it would help us if we became familiar with the Hebrew scriptures that John is quoting. Uh, Just a thought. It might be time to get into the text. And I just encourage our listeners. I mean, one of the things we've been doing, Brent, you remember the days in session one where we used to go through like every single story? like story by story through Genesis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we, we talked about the day when we would be doing whole Bible books and one 20, 30-minute podcast. Well, those days have been upon us for some time now, and we haven't been reading through the text except last week with the uh, last podcast. Some of them are so short, it's almost hard not to. Why not, right? Uh, but f- we've been covering Isaiah. We've been covering Jeremiah, I mean, the whole prophet of Jeremiah. What are we doing and why are we doing that? My hope with the podcast is not to explain the whole book. My hope is that you'll take the tools and you'll go and you'll actually read the prophets. You'll grow in your familiarity with them. That if we if we have a discussion in the podcast, it will simply turn the lights on. Because reading the prophets is difficult. I think you talked about that towards the beginning of our time in the prophets. Like reading through the prophets is not easy work. Interpreting the prophets is not easy work. You need a lot of the context. So as we've been doing these podcasts, just giving you enough context and pointing you in a direction and showing you what's going on gives you just enough tools that you can now dive into Zechariah and you can understand it on a level you just simply couldn't hopefully before. Um, and so that's what we're hoping to do in some of these podcasts and, and hopefully they serve you well because we're almost done. We only got uh, a few more a few more prophets and then we're out of here for session two. I'm excited for session three though. Oh, session three is one of my favorites. All of the rebuilding that this remnant is doing. Yes. We're going to see what that work does at the beginning yep. of session three and yep. how that establishes things for Jesus. Absolutely. I mean, God wasn't lying. Last podcast and uh, I mean, we would assume that God's not lying, but you know, in Haggai, where he said, "I'm going to shake the heavens out like a rug. I'm going to, I'm going to shake the stars and the foundations of the earth." I mean, he does. Like he does some pretty big things with this remnant that will set the stage for Jesus in a really big way. The Judaism that that happens after Babylon will not be anything like the Judaism that was there before Babylon. So this is pretty big stuff, groundbreaking stuff. All right. Well, get together with us and discuss it. Uh, we've got discussion groups in Moscow and Pullman. Uh, here on the Palouse, we've also got them all over the country, uh, maybe even in Canada. Even pretty soon. in Canada. So check out bamonsipeship.com. There's a map there. Uh, you can contact us if you have any other questions. Um, whatever you need, we're we're here to help you out. We're here to help you dig into the text. You know, now you say that about Canada, I think we have a listener in Japan, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. And now that I say that, I think we have a listener in Saipan. <laughs> So if you're out there, give me a shout out because we've been international for longer than we realized. Okay. They're not on the map, though. Not on the map. We need to get a Baymod Japan started. That would be something. I'm going to have to zoom the the map out to to make that work, but but I'm willing to do it if someone's there. We'll, We'll figure it out. I like it. All right. So thanks for joining us on the Baymod Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.